Welcome to A House in the Air, a podcast of testimonies from people living in unconventional homes. Their stories wave together the hopes and struggles to find financial stability and freedom in the land of the American dream. I'm your host, Paola Escobar. I have lived in an Airstream in an RV park in the northern part of LA for the past six years. This experience has shaped my life and my perspective and expectations in relationship to housing. Since then, I have become obsessed with the space and how the place where we live has an impact in who we are and the world around us. This podcast is a window through which you can take a look at the world I discovered when I decided to move to a little house on wheels. In this first episode, I invited a close friend of mine to help me remember how I ended up living in a nursery in an RV park in California. The audio you're about to hear was recorded in the mountains of Puerto Rico, a place full of coquis, which are the ones that are making the noises that are with us throughout the whole interview. I am Damaris Ferrer. I'm a mover, choreographer, dancer, teacher, multidisciplinary artist, and I'm here to talk to Paola Escobar. And I know Paola for many years. I'm not sure how many years already, but we know each other from working together as artists, as creators, but mostly as mothers raising children in this world of art and making. I think it's important to just start with a little bit of a bio. Hello, uh, I am a mover as well, choreographer, uh, I'm a performer, I'm an educator, uh, and I'm a researcher of movement. Uh, I'm the mother of two beautiful kids. Uh, I am not from the United States, although I've been living in the United States for 17 years. I am originally from Colombia. At certain point, seven years ago, I decided that it was time for me to go for a master's degree. So what is your undergrad work? Dance performance. Mm -hmm. My MFA is in choreography with concentration in integrated media. What part of Colombia are you from? I was born in Santa Marta, which is the Caribbean part of Colombia, but I grew up in the mountains in Bogota, in the capital of Colombia. So did you come straight from Bogota to California? No, I spent 10 years in Miami in between. And before that, I lived for two years in Cuba, and I also lived before in Spain for a year. Okay. So you've really had to insert yourself physically and culturally into several different countries. Right. Um, so that's interesting. So... You know, we're in this podcast, right? House in the air. And you have all these different perspectives because you move so much and had to recreate a home so many times. 
even before us speaking about your current home, were your homes always different in each location? And were they your homes or did you have to land in somebody else's home? You know, starting over, do you only travel with a suitcase? You know, some people literally move entire homes with trucks and my life like everybody dreaming of a house or thinking that I was going to live in a normal house with enough rooms for everybody the more rooms the better because everybody's going to have more space and I used to buy everything I want to if I had the money but thinking that that goods are part of the comfort and a good way of living and giving right. your kids more things is providing more for them and that type of thing but because I moved so much and because of other situations related to the type of work I do put me always in a in the place where I have to move and where I didn't have any, enough money to find the types of houses that I thought that everybody should have or that the, the standard person in the United States has So I end up always finding little tiny houses in the neighborhoods I like in the cities, mm -hmm. but they were really tiny. And this was something that happened over and over and year passed. And then again, for different reasons, I was facing the same situation again, in which I need to make another transition, look for a new house. Um, and it was very tiring tiring but it's exhausting. funny that you you know right now currently we use that term tiny house mm -hmm. but it's so funny because in our countries um and right now we're currently in puerto rico and where i was born the houses the kitchen was separate it was a whole other place outside and the bathroom was an outhouse outside it was a small house and simplicity was key <laughs> right simple was the way and uncomplicated was the way that you lived and there was so much time spent outside in nature so this idea that that we grew up with and I'm including myself in this with this idea of a home has to have a bedroom for everybody and you have to have a living room And you have to have a family room. I never understood the difference between the living room and the family room, but it was a thing, right? And you had a living room and a family room and a patio mm -hmm. and a game room. And, mm -hmm. you know, the houses just became bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and you had this idea that you needed all this furniture and it's just an accumulation And it and it's and it's pretty and it's designed and it's decorated and you know yes everybody likes to have you know their their favorite tchotchkes and things around the house but this term tiny house became really popular in the past whatever five years maybe more as if that's new and it isn't new it is I consider it a return. A return to what really a house was or, right you know um, so when you when you finally came to 
Miami, how many small houses did you have? <laughs> I mean, in Miami, I had at least three small houses. And small would be what? Small would be that my two kids and myself would share space. Our beds would be organized in the same room. Mm. But we would have a different space for kind of social interactions. We would have a kitchen separated from that. And then we will have a space that would be like the bedroom for the three of us. For the three mattresses. <laughs> with the three mattresses. Yeah. yeah, exactly. With the three beds. Yeah. So uh, that was our version of tiny living at that time. Yeah. So that was the beginning. But then time passed and then I continued to look for better opportunities and trying to imagine a better life and, and opening up new pathways for my career. I traveled to the West Coast. And again, one more time to go through the process of throwing my house to the garbage can and having to build it again. When you moved to California? When I moved to California. Yeah. So you, you were driving a car or what were you driving? I pack in my car and my Jeep. A Jeep. Whatever it fit. And mm. you're, you're right. So whatever fits in the Jeep, the two kids. The two kids then send over the mail couple of boxes and mm -hmm. then some other boxes I give to some friends including you mm -hmm. <laughs> those right. boxes stay in your house for a long time yeah your books and stuff right yeah. and then all the rest that was surprisingly a lot that you can collect in a short amount of time it was only like two years less than two years that I lived in that house I have to throw it and throw it really literally to the garbage can yeah But when you got to but when you got to California when was the when did you have that revelation when did you have that okay this is what i need to do as far as how you live today yeah no the realization was before the trip mm. Uh, I was looking for housing for... I was accepted in the university. And okay, next thing is to look for a place where we're going to live. And uh, the university is not exactly in LA, but in this um, in the suburbs. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be fine because LA is expensive. But this is not in LA, so it's going to be affordable. But when I went and checked, I realized I couldn't afford an apartment for me and my kids. Even if it was a studio, I couldn't afford it. Because I was going to leave on the stipend mm. that the university was um, offered to me. So I said, there must be a way. There must be a way I can do this trans transition. Uh, and I looked and looked and looked. And then I found tiny houses. The movement tiny of tiny houses. And I was like, oh my God. This is really what I need. I'm going to spend two years in this program. But I have no idea where am I going to live after. So if I have a tiny house, it means that now I'm going to have a place where to live. And I can continue carrying that place, whatever I right. landed after the program. Right, because the tiny house movement is about how it moves. You can take it with you. Exactly. Yeah. So it's this idea of putting wheels on a house, mm -hmm. it was like... 
Of course, it doesn't have to be attached to any land. I realized even before I was living in my tiny home, I understood that minimalistic life was for me. So I was like, yes, let's go for it. But then tiny houses were too expensive. So what did you find? Um, Because I'm not from the United States. I I was not aware of what Arby's were or Uh how that world works or anything. What I realized at that time was that I couldn't afford a, a tiny house. And if I was able to uh, uh, get a tiny house, build it myself or whatever, then there was not a place where to park. Mm. So I was like, how can I make this happen? So when I arrived to California, I ended up in the house of a woman. And the woman told me, why don't you go and take a look at the RV parks? Because maybe an RV could be an option for you. And I was like... This makes sense. So I went and see, and I, first of all, was like very impressed of how ugly those <laughs> things look to me. <laughs> but also, I was fascinated by something in that place. Mm. I was curious about like what it was to live in a place like that. Mm-hmm. So I decided to drive around one of the RV parks, and I was just like looking, staring everywhere. And then I saw a woman that, I don't know, I feel the, the, the impulse and I say like, hey, I'm considering the possibility of living in an RV. Would you like to share with me what do you think about this type of living? Do you live in this park? And she was like, yes, I live in this park and please come here. I want to share with you. And she basically told me that living in an RV was incredible that she was very happy, that it was a realization uh, for her that at the beginning she was very skeptical that originally it was her husband's idea, but then when she tried, she really enjoyed it. And in their case, they did it only because they want to save money for a down payment for a house. Mm -hmm. And when I met her, she was kind of struggling because she was about to move out of the of the RV park and her time in the tiny living was over Mm. so I left the park that day thinking that that was really an option for me yeah and then I went and see another RV park in which I was going to do the same thing just drive around and get information get information Mm -hmm. and then I saw in the back of the park an Airstream, an old Airstream with a sign saying for sale. And I called the guy and then the guy was like, what, where are you calling? And I was like, do you have an Airstream? Do you want to sell it? And he was like, oh yes, Uh, oh yeah, sure, I have an Airstream. The guy kind of forgot that he had it. (laughs) It was probably sitting there for years. Yeah, it was there for years. And we met and I saw the Airstream. And it was in a terrible shape inside. What year was it? It was 2016. No, January. but what, what year was the make of the Airstream? Oh, 1970. 1970 Airstream. Yes. <laughs> That's great. And I went inside, I took pictures, and I have a cousin who's an architect. And I was like, hey, I'm thinking in buying this. What do you think? These are the pictures. And she was like... Don't buy it <laughs> unless you have someone that would do the remodeling for you. Right. Uh, 
so it happened that at the house of this woman where I was living, uh, there was someone doing some works for her, and I speak to the guy. The guy came, saw the airstream, and said, like, yes, I can fix it for you. And he gave me a number that was very, very low. He said, like, I can fix it for 5000 I was like, are you sure about that? But I was like, okay. So I bought the airstream very, very cheap. I paid four thousand dollars for the airship okay and uh, i made the agreement with the guy that i was gonna um, that we were gonna start working on the airstream on may mm-hmm. and that was january so on may or end of april i called him and i was like okay the plan is to start in two weeks and he's he was like eh, i'm sorry but i'm not gonna be able to do the job and i was oh, like no And that was the beginning of the real adventure and facing all my demons and um because that the so when he couldn't do the job, does that mean now you were gonna have to build your own or no, tiny home? That was not an option in the million years. Like I didn't know anything. I was not ready, you know, like the only thing I know about uh, electricity is how to change a, 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 light, bulb. a light bulb that's <laughs> it you know like I have no idea of anything so I knew I need to hire someone mm-hmm. uh, and on top of that this was the summer in between the two years of my masters mm. so I had a limited time I need to have a house for my kids right to begin the school year in August but this, so did your kids see that disaster 1970 airstream and what did they well, say? My, I said to my kids, hey, I'm thinking on doing this. My daughter, who was 15 at the time, she was like, I'm going to move to Florida if, you, <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to move into an airstream. My son, who was five at the time, he was like, yeah, a house <laughs> with wheels. Yeah. He was in that age where right. everything with wheels fascinated him. Right. So he thought it was a great idea. Um, so... When I bought it, I showed it to my son. Mm-hmm. But I didn't show any of this disaster to my daughter. It's a good move. <laughs> yeah. If I show my daughter... She would have bought, bought the first plane yeah, ticket yeah, back to yeah, Miami. Yeah, 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 yeah. So who helped you finally? The people in the RV park, the management, they, have, they were really, really nice people. And they, especially a man called Carlos, he really saw my struggle and my fear that I needed a home for my kids in a few weeks, you right. know, basically. And he told me, hey, relax. He said, anything in a house and anything in the world that is not nature is built by a man like mm-hmm. you and I. Mm-hmm. with a brain like yours and my brain and you're going to be able to understand any of the systems that men have created right. in the world right and i was like yeah you're right <laughs> so that's basically well one part that i did was like really opening up to the possibility of learning about how right how the different things that are in a house work and what were the decisions that I, the wisest decisions that I could make mm-hmm. in all the aspects that involve a house, like what type of 
electricity? Am I going to use a gas stove or no? Right. Um, what type of heater? Where are we going to put the plumbing? What are going to be the distributions of the different spaces inside the airstream? And etc. So how long did it take to finish it? So, so this was, I'm assuming that this is Carlos and you working on it. So Carlos didn't work with me. Mm -hmm. Carlos recommended me, gave me options, phone numbers. Mm, okay. So I call and the numbers that they were giving me, I couldn't afford. Mm -hmm. And then he said like, hey, you know, there's this guy here who lives here in the Arby Park. Um, his name is John. And, uh, why don't you contact him? So I did. And the first impression, I thought... He was not the guy that I wanted in my project. Mm -hmm. But very soon I realized that that was the only guy I can afford. <laughs> so unless <laughs> I wanted to do it myself. Decision made. I was like, the decision is made. John is the guy. John is the guy. I mean. <laughs> so he started the project and he was... Um, He was helpful. He was with me for the first part, uh, which was very challenging. But he was also having some difficulties in the project, big difficulties. So he didn't know. He One day he told me, like, are you planning on using gas or electricity for this and this and this? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, I only know how to work with electricity. And I was like, Then everything goes with electricity. And a decision made. <laughs> decision again. made. And then a few weeks after, he was like, I don't really know how to do electricity. <laughs> And I was like, okay. <laughs> so he was like, but don't worry, I'm going to bring someone. And then he brought this angel into the project, Mike. That he knew a lot and he did it and he did it right. Mm -hmm. And he gave me a ridiculous price for the work. Yeah. And I was so ignorant about how things cost or everything. Like the work he did like probably cost $5,000. That's mm -hmm. kind of a standard price. And he charged me $500. And I almost fired him from the project <laughs> at a certain point. Because... He was going to change a little bit the price he gave me originally. Yeah. And I couldn't really afford any change on right, that. Right, right. But I said, like, okay, if you cannot give that, I cannot give it either, you know, like. Yeah. But he was, like, super sweet. And then, I don't know what made him stay in the project. If he wouldn't stay, I don't know, you know, like. So I found angels like that. And then at the end of the project, there was a point where John couldn't continue mm -hmm. we were having issues and we couldn't move forward with the project and then he quit the project mm. and I was desperate and I decided to call again the original guy mm -hmm. and I asked him hey I know you cannot help me but please recommend someone because I really need right. someone and he said you know I'm going to help you so This was Carlos. No, this no. was Leo. Le oh, okay. <laughs> Carlos was the guy working in the RV park yeah. that gave me the advice. Leo was the guy that was working for the person where I was living. So how, 
how, um, so I guess the question is right now, did it happen in time? The kids had to start school. Yes. You had to start school. When I, yes, I had it guys... ready one week before everything oh, started. Oh, photo finish. Okay, like, so one week before you guys could move in. Yes. And your daughter, what did she say? Oh, yes. My daughter arrived at when everything was done. Our beautiful white house inside, you know, the house is very white. And my daughter very quietly look everywhere look around and with her kind of, I don't know like teenager face mm -hmm. look everywhere and came back and say it kind of looked like the tiny houses you look all the time in the internet yes and I was like yes <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so this brings us to this um back to the topic that we started with was well, now you're in this tiny house you've always lived in small spaces but this is now this tiny airstream that you were part of building you had your hands in it helping to build this and learning about the electricity and where to put the kitchen and how do you you know three people have to live here how was this different from your other small spaces? What was the biggest? It was very, it's very different. All the others were rented spaces. Mm -hmm. uh, this was my house for mm -hmm. the very first time. I didn't build the other spaces. This was built for me, like the way I like it, the way I imagine it. So it, it was a very different attachment and all obviously the size of this one is very different. Mm -hmm. The relationship that this generated with things and the amount of things I can have. And it really forces, it pushes into a different way of living. And I'm not going to go any further in that direction. It's just because this is our first episode mm -hmm. of our House in the Air. Yes. And... This is a, a podcast that is not really about my story or it's about my story, but it, among all the other stories. Mm. So my voice, I want the, my voice to be just one of the voices. Yes. Uh, and I want to hear all the other stories that are going to come after my story, this introductory story. I just want to say that after we lived for a while, the three of us, my son, my daughter, and myself, we have a new member in the family, which is our cat, Gataiko, <laughs> who also live with us. Mm. Um, so, yeah, is the four of us in the Airstream. And although my daughter left for college a little while ago, I wanted to share just one more thing, and is that through the process of building the house, my son was very excited about it. Mm -hmm. And we were all the time, he would go many times with me to Home Depot and to Ikea. And yeah, but the process was challenging. And then things were not moving on as fast as we thought they were. Originally, John told me like, in four weeks, we are gonna have it ready, but in six weeks, it was not ready <laughs> and in eight weeks it was not ready mm. and we need to um, start school in three weeks and he's not ready still and then my son asked me 
one day. Are you sure? <laughs> Arby's are better than houses. <laughs> Another day he asked me, are you sure? Is this a good idea, mom? Are you sure about this? <laughs> I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. He was worried. Yeah, yeah. But then after we moved into the house, the first day probably that we arrived to the house, and he was laying in the bed and he says like, mom, you were right. Arby's are bad at their houses. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And I look forward to hearing all the voices. I think that it's a shame that the housing market is the way it is, that our local state can't figure out a system by which housing is not a privilege. Right. By necessity, it pushes everyone to find, you know, alternatives. Unfortunately, sometimes the alternatives, you know, are not great. But it's going to be really, really interesting but to they could. listen. They could. Yeah. They could yeah. be great. Yeah, they could be great. It's sometimes just a matter not. of yeah. little adjustments that yeah. are tiny but are very significant. Yeah. And that's what we want here. We want to offer a platform for to see how little we need to do to make it happen. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Well, this was our first episode. I hope you enjoy. And I'm looking forward to see you soon in our next episode of A House in the Air.